You're tuning in to an Oats for Breakfast extended interview. The full version of this interview will only be accessible to our patrons. In this segment of the interview, we build on the discussion that took place in episode 4. This time, the focus is largely on the sex ed curriculum in Ontario. Sadia Khan relies on her experience as a public school teacher and community activist to talk about the importance of reforming the sex ed curriculum. She also talks about why the recent attempt to reform the curriculum has been so controversial, and what can be done to build support for a progressive sex ed curriculum among parents. We hope you enjoy the interview. The updated sex ed curriculum, it included information on gender identities, information on same-sex relationships. Why is it important to teach students about gender identities and sexual orientations? I think this, I would be best able to answer this question through uh, recounting a story uh, about something that happened to me while I was in teacher's college. In 2012, um, I was doing my placement at a high school downtown. And this high school, um, I was placed in a special needs program. So the students were grade nine students who had various you know, developmental and physical and intellectual challenges. And um, I was free to do whatever kind of lesson I wanted. And so I decided to talk to these students about how sexual orientation, biological sex, and gender identity all fall along a spectrum rather than being understood as binaries. That, you know, sexual orientation doesn't just have to be heterosexual or homosexual. It can fall within a spectrum. Similarly, gender identity doesn't have to be just male or female. And even biological sex doesn't have to be simply male or female. That many people are born with biological components that might fall in between those two categories. And those folks can be referred to as intersex. And so I was speaking about these things to these grade nine students. And one student in particular, who at the time identified uh, as a young man, he had a lot of questions and interest in the category of intersex when I mentioned um, the biological spectrum. And he kept asking, well, what is that? Can you speak more about that? And what does that look like? Why, how could it be that people are not born one way or the other? And what do people like that? What are their lives like? Once the lesson concluded, this student came up to me afterwards and told me that he really appreciated the lesson and that it allowed him to think about himself uh, in a different way. And that for a long time, he had been struggling with his own gender identity, that he frequently felt that he wasn't quite being as masculine as he was expected to be, that he preferred to spend time with his female cousins and doing things that are conventionally considered to be female pastimes and which caused him a lot of distress. And once we had this discussion, he said that it allowed him to conceive of the possibility that he may be intersex and that 
it opened up this world of like different possibilities. And he was very, he was so enthusiastic about this new way of looking at himself that right afterwards he wanted me and the teacher who, who was supervising, he right away wanted to use the lunch hour uh, to call his aunt, um, who he considered himself to be very close to, and tell her about this uh, discovery about himself. And, uh, and he wanted us, both, uh, both me and the other teacher, to be in the room with him to provide that kind of moral support. I think that, for me, really hit home how someone, how young people who might be struggling with issues of identity and and self can be lost in the struggle if they don't have certain kind of bearings. And I think educators have an obligation to, just as we provide bearings for other things of how to understand the world and ourselves, we also, gender identities um, and sexual orientation and, and biological sex are crucial bearings towards that understanding of self. So um, I was very inspired that uh, that a lesson like that could have such an immediate impact on someone. Do you think that your story kind of confirms a few of the fears that parents have? Because a lot of them fear that by teaching this information, students will be pushed towards adopting the behaviors that the information kind of illustrates? I think, you know, parents' fears, uh, in many cases, they are based on the assumption that, you know, their children are innocent until they're exposed to something different. And as soon as they're exposed to something different, they are going to want to go do that different thing. And in their eyes, in the parents' eyes, it's a deviant difference. And... I think, again, it has to be that the parents are made to understand that this is a possibility and that uh, that most parents, I think, the vast majority of parents really do want their children to have like full lives, yeah. right? And, and be fulfilled and be happy. Mm-hmm. And often parents, you know, their, their whole desire and approach to parenting is how do we make sure that our children's lives are better than our own? Yeah. And I think to open up questions about gender identity and sexuality, which in previous generations and in other times and other places haven't been had, mm-hmm. um, really does push for a qualitative leap in what our quality of life can be. Yeah. Right? That we don't have to live under certain assumptions and repress certain parts of our identity. Um, and that we can, like, on a collective social level, determine that these things are healthy and are like in fact they're already there right that in in society it's all only that they've been repressed so how do we talk about them in a way that allows for all these children and youth and adults to be able to live out their full lives without feeling oppressed the sets curriculum is no longer teaching these things will lead to some people being left behind essentially I think, uh, you know, to my knowledge, and I know a number of progressive teachers who have said that they're going to continue to teach this, you know, the 2015 revised curriculum, despite what the Ford administration might want of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there seems to be, at least in uh, in some small part, a rebellion against the, the curriculum. And in, and in fact, I think because of the public backlash, uh, the Ford administration itself has backtracked on some of the sort of backward trend that it was marching towards. Mm-hmm. So it has said that it's going to leave in consent, it might leave in gender identity, it might leave in other things as well. 
it's going to be a mess and which is unfortunate because students deserve to get uh, you know consistent and solid exposure to these things without it being arbitrarily left to the whims of political administrations. But I mean, these questions are political, are they not inherently? They are inherently political. I think uh, how do we establish a uh, hegemony enough that they can't be so so flimsy in the in the hands of these administrators? Can we solidify them institutionally? And and I think the only way to do that is to build the the demand for them among parent communities. And that as long as parents across the school system insist that this is something that they're, and they expect it the way that they expect literacy and numeracy, Mm -hmm. then I think it wouldn't be so, um, then it would be institutionalized and it would have democratic legitimacy. Because you're right that if, uh, that these things are political and a, a school system and a school curriculum should be up for having a democratic mandate, then we have to build up the base, build up the popular support for it. So as a community organizer, you ended up facing off against parents who were very upset about the introduction of the new sex ed curriculum. What about the curriculum did parents find to be so objectionable? So I can speak um, most closely maybe about Thorncliffe Park. At the time, we were running a a community tutoring program in which uh, families would bring their children every Sunday. And so we had developed enough of a relationship with community members and with mothers that they wanted our input about what we thought about the sex ed, new sex ed curriculum. We decided to create a space uh, within the program and allow mothers who were very anxious and very concerned about the program to come and go through the curriculum with us and have that conversation much more explicitly about what is in there. Partly the reason for going this route was that a lot of concerns that we heard from parents about the curriculum seemed to be blown way out of proportion and seemed to clearly come from a place of a lot of fear and and rumors rather than a close look at the curriculum itself. And over the course of doing those curriculum readings, and it was um, several weeks that we were doing this, I think what emerged was that there were certain things that parents were uncomfortable with. So for example, I believe in the grade one section, there was a curriculum requirement to teach children the proper anatomically correct body parts, and including the sexual organs. And a lot of parents were fearful that six-year-olds having this vocabulary would not be helpful and would instead result in them using it inappropriately with one another. Similarly, the, I, I believe in the, in the middle school curriculum, there was some discussion about um, anal sex and oral sex. And this, the parents thought, was encouraging uh, exploration of these, um, these sexual acts. And there was the discussion of masturbation as something um, that you know young people might engage in. And again, this was seen as normalizing it and exposing the children to something that they would have never encountered themselves, according to the parents. And certainly, I think that there was uh, a lot of unease about normalizing um, same-sex relationships and families that don't 
um, fit the conventional heterosexual couple. What about the the way in which the sex ed curriculum was implemented? I know community groups have said that they didn't really get a fair hearing. What do you make of that? So to my knowledge, although the liberal government at the time had said that it had done some consultations before introducing it, a lot of um, communities felt like it came out of the blue and that any consultations that were done uh, were very much rubber stamping what was already there. I think it was rushed in ways that was unhelpful. I think the way that it was uh, put in, a lot of educators didn't have the supports. Um, there wasn't enough room um, for the educators to deal with the backlash either. In a community like Thorncliffe, for example, in protest against the implementation of the curriculum, a lot of parents had decided together to pull their children out of the local elementary school. And this created a lot of problems for the teachers um, because many of them faced potentially being moved to another school if enrollment didn't uh, come back. And I think once once things settled down a, a little a little bit and parents started sending their kids back to school, there was still a lot of tensions between teachers and parents then because of uh, because over the sex ed curriculum and and um, and the way that it was implemented and the way that the parents reacted. So I feel like the way that um, this unfolded created a lot of hostility on a lot of fronts and maybe shut off certain doors of communication and working through some of the problems rather than opening up doors and, um, and building support. There's petitions being created and there's protests being organized around bringing back this sex ed curriculum. Yeah. Uh, is that going to be enough? Or what else could the left be doing to counteract the, uh, the government's decision to repeal the curriculum? I think it, it speaks volumes that a lot of progressives, both teachers and, and activists more generally, and, and, and liberals, um, in the wake of the sex ed curriculum, the revised sex ed curriculum being repealed, a lot of their protests and their political energies are being directed towards uh, the new conservative government and are being directed towards you know, cyberspace in terms of um, voicing their frustrations. What is, of course, missing in this whole picture and is that far from engaging with the immigrant communities who are um, who are jubilant about this, um, the repeal, this is something that progressives are ignoring or are, are just not able to deal with. That on the one hand, our, um, our feminism and our you know, solidarity with our queer communities means that we would support a curriculum that seems to promote those values. On the other hand, the communities that we tend to romanticize, which are the racialized immigrant working class communities, with those communities resisting such a curriculum, we're not really sure how to talk to them about it or how to build, build support in a way that, that can reconcile those contradictions. So instead, in a very convenient sort of way, the, the anger 
right now is being channeled towards Doug Ford. And it is convenient because it can simply reproduce the sentiment that conservatives and Doug Ford as a white man are just inherently homophobic anyways, and um, inherently sexist anyways. And so this fits within the broader sort of progressive checklist of who does the oppressing and who is oppressed. If we are to be serious about about what sex ed should look like, I think there is an opportunity now for um, for leftists, for socialists, to be doing community work, to be connecting with public educators, and to be connecting to the communities that are happy about it being repealed. Is introducing a, a progressive sex ed curriculum as the primary means to overcoming homophobia or to protecting uh, women from assault. Is that actually a good strategy or, or do we actually have to talk about social change more broadly when we, when we want to address these things? Public education, whether we explicitly acknowledge it to be doing so or not, is, is a primary driver of social engineering. So I think the, the public education system has an important role to play in how we shape what kind of society we want to live in. And so if we want to live in a literate um, society and one in which children are able you know, to, uh, to do mathematics. Um, so I don't think we can, we can say what, and, and this is what actually parents are saying, that gender relations and sexual relations should not be in the domain of public education that this is not the business of teachers, this is not the business of educators, this is not the business of the public education system to tackle. This is um, explicitly and exclusively the parental domain. And the religious domain. And the religious domain. And I think, I mean, to a large extent, actually, the, the revised curriculum did acknowledge that. Um, within the curriculum, there was um, encouragement of teachers to, to encourage students to seek out their family and religious um, leaders in, in having these conversations. Maybe concretely, how far can just a curriculum and education go to addressing very difficult questions like consent? I think a question like consent, it has to be situated within a patriarchal society more generally. These questions are not being openly discussed in society. We are, by and large, still a very sexually repressed society. And that students, even you know, high school students, in many cases, have a lot of challenges in having a mature conversation about gender and sexual relations. And that is something that a curriculum alone is not going to address. That is something that, of course, will have to be tackled outside of the school walls and, and not just outside of the school walls, but even within the school walls, it would have to look much more like how are gender relations playing out in the hallways, right? How are gender relations playing out in the classroom and in gym classes and in during recess? And that is something that, of course, the curriculum can inform, but much more than that, that requires a certain kind of, um, you know, approach to gender and sexual relations that the school and the public education system as an institution takes on. Which is, which is not the same thing as the curriculum, which is a political orientation. It is a building of a political commitment.